0: com. Now back into the show. You know, how are you finding those discounted prices or, or, or opportunities where you could have a discounted price?
1: In the US, there's a Freedom of Information Act. So if someone's going through a divorce or there's a lawsuit or uh, someone has a a disease of some kind where they need to sell quickly and they own multifamily or they own a mobile home park or they own a hotel or they have uh, they're going through a foreclosure or their their uh, their equity position is now upside down because of the, you know, the change in in prime in the economic cycle where there's more more mortgage than there is equity, uh, which is is going to happen more and more as the economy changes. Those are all that's all public information. Mm-hmm. So if you know where to look, they're everywhere.
0: Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marco Koslowski. Marco is a boutique real estate investing mentor, author, and trainer. And for more than 22 years, he has been buying real estate, working his way up from single-family homes to today, owning more than 6,000 units across various asset classes, including multifamily, hospitality, mobile home parks. And he even recently purchased a bar in Orlando, Florida, where he now lives. Marco is a big believer in supporting others and contributing to his community. And he enjoys donating 10% of all his proceeds to his projects and mentoring ambitious young students to create financial success and live life on their terms. I'm really excited and pumped to have him on the show today to share his incredible knowledge and his experience with me. And he's also an ex an expat like me from north of the border in Canada, as I like to say in Australia. But now for me, let's get him out here. G'day, Marco. Welcome to the show. G'day, g'day. How you going, mate? Excellent. How are you? I'm very, very good. I can't. I'm looking forward to getting into our chat here today. Um, but before we do, Tell me, uh, rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid.
1: First ever dollar as a kid. Uh, Picking up bottles, recycling uh, cans and bottles. Saved up a lot of money doing that to buy uh, paraphernalia for magic tricks. I liked magic. (laughs) And then I started uh, doing magic shows because I was kind of a nerd. Still am. And um, did magic shows and put routines together. Did street magic. Uh, on, uh, in Montreal and also did magic shows for kids. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was charging like $500 back in 1980. Wow. That's a long time. No, in that 1980, I was, I was 12. So that would be 84. I was wow. born in 72. So 80, yeah. 500 bucks back then, I think was a lot. I look back and I'm like, that's, I had business cards and everything. That's, and
0: that, that is I,
1: a lot. I, yeah. And that was a lot of fun. So I learned how to entertain, um, back then, which is a mm. skill set that, um, is important. I think communication.
0: Very important. I completely, completely yeah. agree. But you mentioned Montreal. So you clearly, as I said, you're from, you're, you're an expat like myself. Oui, oui. We, 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 wee we, we, uh, tell me a little bit about your, your evolution is around the money. Obviously there, there might've been magic from magic to where you are today. There's got to be a story. Oh, yeah. What is it? Uh, well, uh,
1: so my, my my parents, Eastern European, uh, had a terrible relationship with money. It's a very interesting uh, start to, to a podcast. I started this way, which I think is very important, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, your listeners are, are blessed to have you in their lives um, because I, I think relationship with money uh, and understanding how money works and that money is not necessarily a bad thing and it's a good thing and how we treat um, how we our behavior around money will really reflect how much money we have or don't have. And... My parents are uh, as I said Eastern European anyone with money was an evil person and I was raised in an environment where money was a bad thing and mm-hmm. they didn't have any they struggled for it and they were savers where they didn't spend any money at all and it was a limited resource versus mm-hmm. an abundance and um and they really instilled that those value systems in me but I think the day where I um, I, I would I have a very interesting path and I don't want to bore your listeners uh, at all, but I got married when I was 19. Uh, I was a concert pianist. My, my path was uh, music. That's, that's what I was trained for. And I didn't make any money. And I, 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 you, you practice hours and hours a day and you know, you, you, I was lucky to make maybe $7,000 a year, U S Canadian, which is like nothing. 5,000 U S maybe same as Australian dollar. So can't really raise a family. Uh, got uh, married when I was young, had four kids at 24, stayed home, dad. And at that time, if my spouse uh, wanted me, if I wanted five bucks and, and she said, no, it was okay. Cause we just didn't have the money and we're always struggling financially. And, the day where we couldn't pay the rent, and I had a landlord that knocked at the door, and my spouse, um, I was playing with with two kids on the floor, Oliver and Elliot. She was uh, feeding my daughter, my third child, and she was pregnant with my fourth. After a long day, um, the doorbell rang, and her ritual, this you know we were always struggling to pay the rent, but we didn't have the money for the first time. And she basically said, uh, "Hey, we're having some cash flow issues, and she dealt with the money. I never did, didn't like dealing with money. She, and she asked me to just tell the landlord that we didn't have the money. that was and that was the most stressful thing I'd ever been asked to do. Like I can't believe it. Like, what am I going to say? I'm embarrassed. We don't have the money, What's going on. Uh, I felt less then. And uh, and I really didn't know how to handle the situation at all, which I find now hilarious. Uh, I go to the door and all I had to do is one thing is just tell the guy we didn't have any money to come back in a few days. That's it. That was my task. One thing to do. I open the door. He looks at me and goes, where's my money? Right? Short little guy, maybe five feet tall, most at the most. And I'm six foot three. So I'm a big guy. He's a small little guy. Where's my money? I clammed up. I'm still climbing up now. It's funny. I said, uh, my wife wants to tell you something. He literally goes through me, goes into the house uninvited, goes through the, and this is in the winter. So he's tracking snow throughout the house. He finds my spouse, my two kids on the floor, and he starts yelling at her, yelling at her, berating her, calling her names in front of me. And I just stood there with my mouth open as she looks at me, basically making me feel like a pile of shite. Right. And I and I realized at that point that if I did not change, if I did not do something, if I did not find a way to provide for my family, this would be my life for the rest of my life, which was unacceptable. And that really is the um, the first Real wake up call that I had about myself, that um, that started my journey into uh, really wanting and desiring abundance in my life, so I could take care of my kids. So
0: Mm. that's a that's that's a very thank you for sharing that with me. You know, for the last I should say, like a a lot of people don't talk enough about that, and that's clearly the pivotal point because you remember it so well. And so you you say you're claiming up. We all have that, right? We all—I uh, I didn't come from money either. You know, the old saying, "Money didn't, doesn't grow on trees," or it was around my household, you know, all yep. the time. And it's—it's it's not necessarily money was viewed as a bad thing. It was just we didn't have a lot of it, and not that I was poor by any stretch of the means. It was just more working class, you know. And it, yeah. it just things you had to go without, and that's okay, and you got to deal with it. But at some point, you have to make that decision. Which in your in your life was was that this 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 interaction with this landlord that was exactly. like enough's enough, right? Yeah. And we all get to that we all get to that pain point and 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 that is the pain that we move away from to try and be better and as you said move move towards abundance so what, what, what you, we, let's fast forward a little bit because but I do want to go back and touch on how you got there but let's just quickly describe to the listeners where you are today i mentioned 6000 units in the portfolio you know, what yep. do, what does today look like
1: well, we actually—I uh, so uh, in the last year, uh, just before June, uh, very blessed to have timed that right. We got rid of about a thousand uh, units. It was the right time to sell to cash up for what's happening now in this uh, market cycle. So we're down about five thousand right right now units. And uh, so what I do now is I I I help humans. Well, first of all, my belief system is that every, I believe everyone should be wealthy through the service of others, number one. I believe it's your God-given right to be wealthy through the service of others specifically. It has to come through service, not through wanting money by itself. It has to be a result of of really serving others at the highest possible level. And what I mean by that is most, when they're in the real estate business, as I was in the very beginning, it's all about the numbers, the money, how much am I gonna pay for something, which obviously matters. But I have moved away from, from that, which will be the result, but through how do I, what does my counterpart really need? And do I really want to buy anything or do I want to buy the right thing? And uh, there are those that really uh, want to sell for as much as possible and they don't care when they sell it, how they sell it. They want the price for the price. And there are those that are wanting to sell quickly Mm -hmm. in exchange for some equity. And those are the, those are the humans that we're really trying to serve. So there are the retail buyers that are, you know, are okay with paying retail or over retail And there there's my tribe, which is really looking for someone that is going through what I call one of the five D's, either through a business divorce or or divorce by themselves. There's a lot of partnerships dissolving, run their course uh, where there's something there's there's a situation where they just will just don't want to be in that situation anymore and if someone needs to sell there's uh, uh the exchange for a quick sale is always going to be a discount like like a pawn shop um there's uh you know those that are in high debt or have debt that are uh that uh, that needs to uh, be gone uh, or pay off debt lawsuits 94 percent of lawsuits in the in the world are in the united states uh and if someone is served with a lawsuit and let's say the property makes hundred thousand dollars a year. I, I'm talking multifamily, hotel, whatever uh, mm-hmm. the um, the asset class is. Uh, it makes hundred thousand dollars a year, and they got served the lawsuit, and they can settle this lawsuit for six fifty, and they need the money quickly. Uh, the six fifty that to settle the lawsuit, which potentially could be years of pain in the ass and millions in in, I guess in debt in the future. The six fifty is 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 a much better. Um, I guess, avenue to go into. So we can we can serve the humans that need to sell quickly uh, by giving them money quickly. And our resource for cash is asset-based lending. So it's something that really didn't exist too much back when I started and through a lot of transactions and building a community of people that are tapping into money. Because as you know, the more you use money, the more is available. It's mm-hmm. just how it works. And the concept is pretty simple in, in that if you have an asset that is worth, let's say, a million dollars. You can get seven hundred thousand dollars from the asset-based lender at a fairly reasonable interest rate, six to eight percent. It's not based on prime. It's just it's private institutions or uh, private equity funds or private individuals have a whole network of these people, or these institutions or these um, uh, entities where they lend out seven hundred uh, on a million-dollar asset that spins off hundred thousand dollars a year. If you're if if the debt service, it, let's say, at seven percent. Uh, is uh, 7, 000, 7% at $700,000 is $49,000 in interest-only debt service. It's just interest-only. There's no amortization on this, and it's perpetual. So your debt service is $49,000. You're making $100,000, so your net after-debt service is fifty one. dollars Now, you miss two payments for whatever reason. The lender takes back the, the asset, and it doesn't affect your credit because your credit doesn't matter. So the lender goes from making... 49,000 to now owning the asset at a hundred thousand. So they recognize that they're going to double their money on default. So they're, they're um, they're not necessarily banking on default, but they're in a very secure position uh, to know that if you don't keep your promises, they're going to make more money. And if you, if you position yourself in a world where if you don't keep your promises, everyone does better, you're gonna have a lot of people that are not necessarily hoping that you fail, but you're no matter what happens, they're going to be okay. So by protecting other people around you that they actually do better if you don't keep your promises, you start making a lot of money.
0: Mm, Interesting. So how do you find these types of deals out there? Like where where are you hunting for those five Ds in order to get that deal flow? Because we all know today, multifamily has gone up in value a lot. A lot of asset classes have, you know, home parks and self-storage. You know, how are you finding those discounted prices or or, or opportunities where you could have a discounted price?
1: So we do uh, 99% off market assets, number one. We're not looking for assets that are uh, listed. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the retail market. Um, now, in I don't know what it's like in Australia, uh, but in Canada, there's something called the uh, Privacy Act, where we can't get any information at all on anything. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., there's a Freedom of Information Act. So if someone's going through a divorce or there's a lawsuit or uh, someone has a, a disease of some kind where they need to sell quickly and they own multifamily or they own a mobile home park or they own a hotel – or they have uh, they're going through a foreclosure, or their their uh, their equity position is now upside down because of the you know the change in in prime in the economic cycle where there's more more mortgage than there is equity, uh, which is is going to happen more and more as the economy changes. Those are all that's all public information. Mm-hmm. So if you know where to look, they're everywhere. It's uh, I do an exercise uh, live in class. If you look around the room. Look around the room real quick and try to find everything that's red. All right. In in 10 seconds, I'm going to give a prize to the person who finds the most red things. Look around the room. Look around the room. Find all the things that are red. Okay. Now close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want you to shout out all the things that you found that were green. You don't know because you're looking for the red things. You're not looking for the green things. And Mm -hmm. the way our, our mind works is we're looking for something specific. Ever look in the fridge and you're looking for the thing and it's right in front of you, but you can't find it? It's the same thing. So mm-hmm. if you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like the FedEx arrow uh, in the logo of FedEx. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but there's an arrow there. And now, if once you look at the FedEx logo again, you'll say, holy shit, there's an, there's an arrow there. I never saw it before. But now you can never unsee it. It's the first thing you're going to see because mm-hmm. you just never noticed it until you notice it. Then it's obvious.
0: Right.
1: Same thing. So once you know where to look and uh, the process around it or process, uh, I have. For those that are in the Commonwealth, uh, the, the 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 process around this is we make offers that are number one always rejected. We never make offers that are accepted. Number one is we're not we're not trying to get the best possible price up front. First, we want a. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna buy it at this number, and we're gonna buy it very quickly. And we want to know. And once we get that no, we say okay. Well, what do you need? What, what what's the what what's going on where you need this number? And if they need as much as they want, that's not our customer well, we owe this, we need this, we need this, this is what we need to do next. And we find out exactly what the story is behind it. Now we can structure a deal that actually helps them and serves us at the same time. Now, if you're so focused on numbers, for example, um, we bought 147 unit um, apartment complex, two buildings in a, um, in a, uh, in St. Louis, two buildings. Uh, number on that number uh, on the, they were asking around 6 million off market. Uh, it was on and off market, 6 million bucks, 147 units. Not a bad deal at the number it was. They hadn't raised the rent since 1986. Wow. All right. And this is in a B area. If All right. With, and creeping up on an A. It was a, it was a C turned into a B, you know, market rents were around 2000, around 600 bucks. So huge upside. Okay. 147 of these. <clears throat> Sellers asking 6 million. We offered less than two. Guy told us to F off in the most beautiful way. You've never heard the F word as a a noun, an adjective, an adverb. Like it was a beautiful, well-scripted, you know, basically go pounce in. And it was very cantankerous. We thought, this is interesting because that's a very adverse reaction more than what we are used to. So we get to the bottom of the reason of sale. And he uh, was diagnosed with a, with a disease. He had less than six months to live. And he wanted um, uh, to have a certain amount of money in his bank account. And but just because his kids had disowned him, he had never really uh, he was alone. He 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 was not going to be remembered. And he said all these things. And being remembered is something that uh, I found interesting. So we had a conversation around that. And the solution that we came up with was tell you what, what do we if we do this? Because you can't take the money with you when you die anyway. So what if we erected a statue in your honor, all the things that you've done? Because he was had he was a guy in his 80s. Uh, we put a plaque on the buildings and uh, we deed it where it can't be removed for 99 years, which is the max that we could do in that state. So he started crying, weeping, and we got the property for less than $2 million. Wow. Because it wasn't the number that was important to him. It was the, the act of being remembered that was. So, and this is, you know, a $20 million asset once optimized. So it's, it, you know, that's a monster deal. Uh,
0: how often do those deals, deals come around?
1: Huh often uh, yeah. at least once a month really like, yeah
0: yeah and so what's the uh, team look like who's hunting those types of things because I could imagine you'd have a pretty big bandwidth of
1: no no, no team no man no team. uh it's we, we keep it small and keep it all man it's uh they' are very specific individuals that have so let me let me say it this way if you have a conversation with a real estate agent that is well connected in 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 the environment and say listen If someone needs to sell quickly, we have access to up to 33 million bucks. We can close within 10 days of all the checks and balances being done. So that's pretty quick, right? We don't have to do, we don't have to do a money raise. The money's available right now. So find a deal where someone needs to sell quickly. Let's take a look at it. We'll run the quick numbers. We'll go through the process. It closes, you get paid. So we call those golden retrievers and, and to be kind, right? It's, and we, and Someone that has access to deals then will be hunting on your behalf. You don't have to pay someone to do it. You just have to incentivize the right people on the ground to do that. Mm. And again, once they bring that deal, no matter what the numbers look like, we're still going to negotiate based on not necessarily the numbers, but what the seller's actual needs are. And if there's a mortgage and they need two hundred thousand dollars to walk away and they can hold the balance on paper, whatever the the structure is at that point, it's very easy to do because if you get what you need, You'll sell it. Mm. Now, if someone wants something and they want as much money as possible, and there's a lot of syndicators that have overpaid for things because they just want to. I'm competing. I have to buy it for more. I have to do this. Now you have a money race. Now you have a different problem, which is if there is a bump or there's not the appreciation, or the there is your your refi was your exit strategy was a refi, but now Prime is at nine. How the hell are you gonna get out of it? Mm. If you're buying, uh, you know, a five cap, optimizing it, okay, and suddenly it becomes a seven cap, but money costs nine, you can't. And then if your investors are expecting an exit during a certain period of time, you have a whole other problem. Mm-hmm. And we're actually picking up quite a few of these assets that were syndications that were where investors were promised a certain return, and now the investors are upset with the, uh, you know, with um, the sponsors, not because the sponsors ne- didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but they just can't exit and they expected an exit. So it's it's fun to have that conversation um, to really save the whole process, step into a great loan because loans that were originated back in eighteen nineteen under 4%, no way are getting that loan now. Mm. So leave the loan in place, create a structure for the investors to be happy. Give some money to the sponsors, so they go, and then you you fix the problem. And um again, there's a skill set around that. And I, I don't I don't know how advanced your uh, your listenership is or you as a listener if you're even understanding what I'm saying. But from a from a very simple level, we find people that are in trouble, we give them what they need,
0: and we get wealthy doing it. That's it. <laughs> Now, back into the show. Well, it's 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 interesting you mentioned the the taking over the loan, because in that scenario, if you can take over the loan, pay off the investors, and give some money to the GP, then why would they just sell it on the market? Most
1: and, and, people don't know how to take take over the loan, because they think the loan has to be wiped out.
0: Gotcha. That's the so difference. Let's, let's let's talk about that then.
1: Yeah. So if you're selling a property, generally, you want the loan to be paid off, correct?
0: Mm-hmm yep
1: right and if that has a 30year amortization you've had it for seven years, it's a 25 year mortgage. the first seven years of a loan is all mostly interest right If you look at how amortization schedule works, the bank's created it that way. it's their own economy. If you think about it, you pay all the interest up front and that way when you sell the property because most properties sell within seven years right five to seven years most people move within five to seven years or sell within that seven year cycle, you've paid down very little principal. So now they're going to reissue a loan to the next buyer for a larger amount of principal. So it makes sense because you're actually lending out more money because you're in the business of lending out money. So however, if you don't pay off the loan, now the loan is being chewed down very, very quickly. There's, if you look at the three trimesters of a loan, the first is all interest then it's about 50-50 for the next trimester, the next third, and the last third is all principal. Very little interest, just gets paid off very quickly. So we're seeing loans that are halfway through maturity that are in the 50-50 stage, but you have a very low payment, right? Because of the low interest rate, all that pay, all that interest has already been paid out, most of it. And now we're just continuing to pay off the loan over time, taking over the debt through... There's a lot of different ways of doing it. I could be here for three days going over the 39 different mechanisms or instruments that we can use to do that. Like I said, I was Canadian. I'm West Canadian. I'm still am Canadian. I haven't died yet. So I am Canadian. And I didn't have any money. I didn't have access to banks. I didn't have any U.S. credit. And I had to find ways of uh, leaving existing debt in place, good, cheap debt, and finding mechanisms to take care of people so I could step into the the property, take care of people, and still build the wealth at the same time. Hmm. And what I love about debt, and I don't know if you've ever had this conversation with um, – or if you as a listener have had this conversation yet – but if we take a look at a property back in 1970, let's talk about debt for a second. And the average single family in 1970 was uh, uh, $22,000. Okay, 22 grand average across the United States, single family, $22,000. Okay, you rented, you bought that property for the right price, all right? Right price, let's call it, you You bought it for $15,000 and you got an asset-based lender to lend you the money for $15,000 and you had a tenant that was paying the mortgage and you know, you're making a little bit at the same time, $15,000. All right. Let's fast forward to today. That same property now is worth well over 650, but the debt, you haven't paid it off. It's interest only is still $15,000. Is that debt significant? It was significant then it's 70% of whatever the value was back then. But now because of inflation, right? What's happened to the value of that debt, $15,000 Fifteen thousand dollars on six fifty—is that significant?
0: No,
1: it's nothing, right? The payments are the same, no matter what. And have the rents gone up over time? The rents have right. gone up, but the debt services stayed the same. So inflation crushes debt. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. Inflation crushes debt. So if you have an older debt at lower interest rate, inflation is slowly crushing that debt and slowly paying that that thing off and your equity position is building and building and building that payment never changes if you have a you know a, a loan that originates and is not a you know adjustable rate mortgage in arm if it's just a fixed rate gets paid off which doesn't exist in Canada by the way I don't know if it does in Australia or not we have to go back every 5 years to renew mortgages but in the US you know it's beautiful it's you, you originate it it gets paid off over whatever time and cycle that you um, you agree with with the bank so now you can take over this asset Where the interest has already been paid on a a building that you can depreciate that gets paid off over time where your wealth is building and, you know, tenants, do they expect rents to go up? Of course. Well, you don't want to disappoint them. So rents go up, debt goes down, equity builds,
0: Bob's your uncle. Love it. Love Absolutely love it. So, what are you, what are you thinking today? With the and excuse my my little girl in the background, uh, what are you thinking today in terms of where we're headed in interest rates and the environment from a macro point of view? Given how much froth has been in the commercial multifamily world, you mentioned six, seven, eight percent interest rates. Do you think we're going back down? Do you think the Fed's going to reverse? What do you, what are you, what, are you, what are you thoughts? What's
1: your crystal? Ball? I, I, I honestly. Uh... The only way the U S is going to get out of the debt that they're in is by creating mass inflation. Number one, Uh, if you, if you, if every single entity I'm talking person or business paid hundred percent of their earnings to tax to to the IRS, we still wouldn't even uh, have scratched the surface in 30 years of paying that. So if you look at the amount of the debt and how much revenue is necessary to chew that down, it's terrifying, terrifying. And if you use the example of, The the small amount of the debt in 1970 to what it is now, the only other than time, it's inflation that's created that gap between the value, how many dollars you need in order to buy the same piece of property, right? It's, uh, you know, we went off the gold standard and we can go into a whole economic conversation on that. And again, my background is not in economy at all. It's just, this is experience and having to get this done. And, you know, I'm a musician. That's it. All right. Just so you don't have to, it's my opinion. All right. So from a, how do you get, how does the U S get out of debt? The only explanation is mass inflation because that crushes debt and you have two choices. You can worry about what the interest rates are going to be, right? Whatever that's going to be. And if you're the one originating that loan, it's a problem because the more interest rates cost, the more it costs for the money, or you can not worry about that. Find humans that need to exit quickly with existing debt that they've put their name on the line to get, they need an exit. They don't need to have their loan paid off. They need $200,000 to get out of it. They need 300,000. They need whatever the number is. And that debt is there. So if they have a immediate cash need, there are lenders that will lend on that based on the income of that property. And you don't need money. You don't need credit. You just need to learn how to, the skill set of putting those things together, which is what I teach and what I empower people to do. And I only teach a handful of people to do this because I don't want, I don't want to get rich quickers. I don't want people that say, "Hey, I'm going to help people and they're very selfish about it. I'm really looking for people that really want to serve, to serve, give to give. Mm, I love it. This can be, you know, you can really hurt people um, by doing things incorrectly. And I really, I've seen that and I don't want that. Mm. I, I'm, I'm really looking for a human being that is obviously wanting to, take care of their family, but also has a desire to really help other human beings by having access to as much money as necessary to take care of that human being at the same time, build their wealth and optimize the property to what it should be. So if you're in trouble and there's a little bit of juice for the person that's helping you, let's go. Now, if you're, we're not going to help, we can't, won't help someone. Where they, you know, they're so upside down that any, you know, they got themselves into such a problem that anyone that helps them will die. It's, you know, sorry, man. Good luck. Learn your lesson, like all of us had to at one point. But in most cases, there's something that can be done. So to answer your question as truthfully as I can, I don't know. My my crystal ball broke back in the 1980s. I have no idea what the future is going to be. Right. But I do know that no matter what the interest rates are, like even in uh, from in most of 21. We still bought around 1,500 units, no matter, and we bought them at 30% off. Um, and now we're buying way more. 20, 2020 was almost 3,000. We doubled our numbers um, when COVID hit. That was the best year we've done. And we're just doing the same thing. We're just getting more of them based on the processes that we put together. And I teach. If you want to learn how to do this, I'd be delighted to help you learn. It's it's not rocket science. You, you just do this, then you do that, and you do this. And then a whole bunch of leads come you make offers on every single one of the leads that come expecting a no and based on the responses those are the ones that you play with um, and if again we don't pay retail we only buy it for those that need to sell for a certain reason and those are the ones that we work with someone wants retail to retail not interested other buyers will take care of you we're sure. not that buyer yeah
0: love it love it mate well at the end of every show before we get into the top five investing tips, I want to ask, what has 2023 got in store for you and beyond?
1: I just do love what it. I love. So as long as you do what you love and you give to give and you are aligned with what your mission, vision, and purpose is, it's just joy. Everything's great. Awesome.
0: That's awesome. Well, mate, at the end of every show, we like to dive in the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? All right, let's do it. Mate, question number one is, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Serving. Love it. Do you do anything specifically like in journaling to to who you're going to serve and all that sort of stuff?
1: Ask a lot of questions to see who needs help and Mm -hmm. listen. Listen, Mm -hmm. because you can't serve unless you really listen to what's happening. And this is, it's not about us. It's not about me. If I'm talking to a human being, I'm really, I call it whiteboarding. I am blank. I don't, I, I don't put my idea into what they, I think they need. I really want to understand what the problem is. And I'm not going to inject any of my ego into it. I'm just going to listen. And then once they're done, then I'll see if from the source or my experience or whatever, how I can possibly help them.
0: Question number two is in, who's been the most influential person in your career to date?
1: I don't think it's one person. I think uh, I had a homeless man tell me to wear red socks once and it changed my life. I'm going to go back to the answer of, I think every single person can teach you something. And if you're just open and listen, you're going to be amazed at what you hear and learn about yourself.
0: Love it. Love it. Very very deep, very deep. I'm sure we could continue talking in that sort of deep vein for Mm. two or three hours. And it sounds like you're a deep thinker, my friend. Uh, Question number three is, what is the most influential tool in your business? Now, when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a phone or a journal that you just can't run the business without. or, Or it could be a piece of software. What is it?
1: My ears again, it comes back to listening. I, I, everything's on the internet. We, I, we're all virtual investing, at least from my experience, I don't have to leave my house to get property. Um, obviously the internet is an important tool, but it comes back down to just listening to your counterpart, whether it's the phone or your voice over IP system that you use or text messaging or, you know, mail or, you know, how, you know, Morse code, how, wh- however facts, whatever tools you're using, just, Really listen to what's happening because the solution is generally there um, very clearly. The solu- the the pain points will be obvious once you start listening. Let's just mm. say it that way. Because gotcha. that's wow. where the money is made is helping people. It's not, you know, most people, If I, if I'm so focused on how much money I'm going to make, it's like McDonald's saying, I want to make more money. So no more beef patties in any of our hamburgers for 30 days so we can save money. Because we want to make more money. Our desire to make money has nothing to do with our counterpart. Our emergency is not their emergency. So if you are of that mindset and you're, I want money, I want money, I want money, you're alienating everyone around you and McDonald's will go out of business in 30 days because they're going to piss off their customers so much. The institution, whether you like McDonald's or not, they're out of business very quickly because of a decision that was so selfish, it actually hurt their customers. And that's... I see that happen constantly of people that first get into the real estate business or even been at it for a while. You start getting hungry and making decisions that are not necessarily best for the team or the tribe. They're they're doing something because of their hunger. And that's a recipe of death.
0: Mm. But, you know, very, very, very deep. I love it. Question number four is in one sentence, what's been the biggest failure you've experienced in your life? And what'd you learn from that failure?
1: Myself. Mm. And I learn every day from it. And uh I have I I have a uh, license to make mistakes. So if you are okay with screwing things up, just learn from every and don't every day just do one thing better. Don't try to do everything better because it's impossible. We're human beings we're generally not able to do more than one thing at once other than women who are very good at multitasking, but I'm a guy and I can't even do one thing that well, all right. One thing, pick one thing that you're gonna do better today and just that's it. And then if you didn't do it better, then do it better the next day. And then once that's better, pick the next thing. And if you just do one little thing every day and you get better at just every two days, one thing, that's 180 things that you got better at in this year. That's a lot of things.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Last that? question is, people, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? they will be in your sphere. They want to learn some more of your tricks about how you're finding these off-market deals, about how you're negotiating. Where do they go?
1: Uh, you can send an email directly to Marco at Marco or a podcast that we're actually going to have you on as well, which is a big fat real estate checks.com. That's big fat real estate checks, not chicks. It's a completely different podcast, big fat real estate checks on any podcast that you,
0: uh, that you listen to. Love it. Love it, my friend. Well, look, I just want to reflect on some of the awesome things that I took away from today's show. I think the the, the one number one thing was inflation crushes debt. I think that's the yes. number one thing that I've took taken away from this, today's show in and around that it, the longer high inflation is around on fixed rate pr- principle, it will crush the debt over time and it and will become yes. your friend, right?
1: Yes, and you can take over that debt if you learn how on and ride inflation, in, uh, ride inflation like a wave and surf it versus having to be crushed by it. Because if right. you're surfing inflation, it's a lot more fun than what most are going to be, which is crushed by it. It's like you surf, you understand that analogy very mm-hmm. well.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I will to is our emergency is not their emergency in terms of we're talking on a human to human level, I Absolutely. think that's so very, very much important as a leaders, of companies, as investors, as raising you know money from people Everything. in terms of interacting with uh, property management's or GCs or whatever the the hell it is. It's all we're all in the people business, and yes. we have all got people to answer to, and and you know hearing someone's emergency and your emergency is not necessarily someone else's so taking that self-awareness into a conversation is really really important um i really enjoyed our conversation today did i leave anything out in that little summary uh
1: no um, awesome awesome
0: yeah. stuff well, look, i appreciate man, you I'll, very much i i appreciate you too and i look thank you so much for jumping on today's show enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very very soon
1: appreciate you mate take care
0: well, they Bye. have another <laughs> another cracking episode, jam packed with some incredible information for Marco. Please remember to head over Keselowski. to Marco Kozlowski. That's right. Please head over to the thebigfatrealestatechecks.com or that podcast, wherever you podcast to check him out and what he does and he teaches everything. All you need to know about the things that he was talking about on today's show. I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of the day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. If you do like the show, the easiest way to give back is to give a five-star review on iTunes and we're going to do, do it all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave and go give life a crack.